we celebrate this Christmas season because God has come to live where we live, to walk through this life with you. He pitched his tent where we live. Preaching the old time gospel with a fresh anointing to a new generation. This is Saved to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall. Christmas is the time of year we celebrate the Incarnation, when God became flesh, born as a baby in a stable in Bethlehem. It's a message that, if you let it, will leave you in wonder and awe. Today, Brian brings us a message from the Gospel of John, looking at what becoming flesh is and what it means to you and me today. So grab your Bible and turn with us to John chapter 1, beginning at verse 14, for a message entitled, Christmas, a Celebration of God Becoming Flesh. Here's Brian. The title of my message today is Christmas, a Celebration of God Becoming Flesh. And we're going to be reading from John chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. And of His fullness we have all received grace upon grace." For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has revealed Him or declared Him. I hope that you're going to have a good Christmas season. I always look forward to this time of year, and most people do look forward to this time of year. It can become busy, and it can become hectic. And yet most people would readily admit that Christmas is one of their favorite times of year. And there's many things that go on, special activities during this Christmas season that make it special for us. It may be uh, special meals that we have with friends and family. It may be special food uh, that is cooked or baked this time of year that we get to eat. And uh, and I, I know that's one of my favorite things. I always eat too much this time of year. Many of us probably do that. And it could be decorating, putting up lights, Christmas lights or Christmas decorations or a Christmas tree. There are many things, many activities in our culture that revolve around the Christmas season. And yet the Christmas season has many traditions, and I believe none are as prominent as the giving and receiving of Christmas gifts. It's going to be very hard for any of us this Christmas season to get through the holidays without either giving a gift or receiving a gift from another person. It may be at our office where we do something like uh, the Dirty Santa and we give each other gag gifts and, and have fun with that. It might be the exchanging of names with uh, our family and friends and uh, we find a time to get together, and the person's name that we've chosen, we give them a gift, and then someone that has gotten our name, they will give us a gift. It may be uh, spending time around the holidays with our family, and, and we've gone out in the days and weeks before Christmas, and we have selected gifts for them, and, and we have uh, packaged those gifts and wrapped those gifts and put them under the Christmas tree, and there'll be a time when we get together with our family and distribute those gifts, those packages, those presents. And, and certainly the children look forward to the giving and receiving of gifts this time of year. 
Most children are, are waiting with anticipation for the time for Santa Claus to come, and they'll be looking forward to that morning when they walk into the living room and see what gifts it is that Santa has brought to them. It's interesting that the giving and receiving of gifts are such a prominent part of our tradition and culture uh, of celebrating Christmas in the United States. In the Bible, the true meaning of Christmas has everything to do with the giving and receiving of a gift. You see what John was talking about here in the scripture that we read, even though it's not the traditional Christmas story of Jesus being born of a virgin in Bethlehem in the manger with Mary, John is the only gospel that really doesn't carry the traditional story. But what he is talking about in this passage of scripture is the birth of Jesus Christ. And that is what Christmas is about. It is about the greatest gift that has ever been given in the history of the world and about the greatest gift that any person can ever receive on this earth, and that is Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, God wrapped himself in flesh, was born of a virgin, came to live on this earth with you and with me, and he lived without sin, and he came in order that he might go to the cross and die and sacrifice his body and shed his blood for our sins in order that we might have a way to be saved. And so you see, when we're giving and receiving those gifts, that can become a very uh, materialistic thing. And many of us see that in our culture, we have commercialized Christmas too much. But at the same time, I, when I see the giving and receiving of gifts, I, I think to myself that it may be one of the traditions that is most closely linked to the true meaning of Christmas, because God gave the greatest gift that's ever been given in Jesus Christ. And the greatest gift that you and I could receive this Christmas season is Jesus Christ. Why is it that we celebrate Christmas? I mean, we talk about celebrating Christmas. We talk about celebrating during these holidays, but we're not celebrating because we get a couple of days off from school. We're not celebrating just because we get to eat some special food or candy or just because we get to decorate uh, the house or just because we get some material gifts. The true celebration of Christmas is the celebration that God has become flesh. We celebrate Christmas because God has become flesh. It says in John chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word has become flesh. God has become flesh. And in order to get the full impact of verse 14, we have to go back to verse 1. And verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So let's think about that for a moment. The first verse of John chapter 1 says, The Word was with God. And not only was the Word with God, it says the Word was God. And when we get down to verse 14, it says that the word that was with God and the word that was God, that that word became flesh. What does that mean? That means that God himself 
wrapped himself in flesh over 2,000 years ago and gave himself to humanity as the greatest love gift ever given in the history of the world. I want you to think about that just for a moment. This Christmas season, why do we celebrate Christmas? Why are we celebrating? We're celebrating because God has become flesh. God became flesh. God came to this earth, and in the person of Jesus Christ, he was born of a virgin. He came to be where we are, the God that created heaven and earth, the God that created everything that we see, that created every person that's ever been born, the God that holds our life in the palm of his hand, the God that causes our hearts to beat another beat, the God that gives us another breath to breathe, the God that sustains all life. That God became flesh. And that's the reason we celebrate this Christmas season. I hope it's the reason that you celebrate. You see, it's fine to give and receive material gifts, and it's fine to eat the Christmas food, and it's fine to participate in the activities of our culture and the many things that we do, but we should never forget why we celebrate Christmas. We should never forget what Christmas is really about. It is a celebration. It is a celebration of God becoming flesh. But we also celebrate because we have seen the glory of God. The Bible says in John chapter 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And so we celebrate Christmas not only because God has become flesh, but we celebrate Christmas because we have seen the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Until Jesus was born some 2,000 years ago, mankind had only seen glimpses of the glory of God. For example, in the Old Testament, the high priest and only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, into the tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies, and only one day a year could that one special man go into that place where God himself dwelled. And it was in the Holy of Holies that the glory of God abided. And so one man, once a year, could go in and get a glimpse of the glory of God. We see it in the story of Moses in the Old Testament when he was leading the children of Israel out uh, of Egypt, and they went into the wilderness, and God directed him to Mount Sinai. And you'll remember that Moses left the people there at the foot of Mount Sinai, and he went up on that mountain to see God. And it was while he was up there with God that God gave him the Ten Commandments. But do you remember what happened while Moses was up there receiving the Ten Commandments? The Bible says that while he was there, that he asked God to allow him to be able to see him. And God told Moses, Moses, if you were to see me, you would die. He said, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of this rock, and I'm going to put my hand over you to shield my front presence from you, and I'm going to pass by, and I'm going to allow you to see me for just a moment, just a second from the back. 
And do you remember that passage that talks about that? God did that. He, he shielded Moses in those rocks and he put his hand up to, to shield his glory from Moses. And he passed by and Moses caught a glimpse of God's glory just for a momentary second from the backside. And it so affected his life. It so affected his countenance coming into the presence of the glory of God, even for a moment that he was shining. He was glowing, the Bible says, with the glory of God. In fact, when he came off the mountain and the people saw Moses and they saw his presence, they saw his radiance, they saw the glory of God that was shining on Moses. They were afraid of him. They were scared of him. Coming into the presence of God, experiencing the glory of God, even for a momentary second, is one of the greatest things that could happen to any person. And yet you and I, because of the gift of God, because God became flesh, because Jesus Christ was born, and through Jesus Christ and the birth of Jesus Christ, we have had the fullness of the glory of God revealed to us. And that's an amazing thing. The God that is so awesome and so powerful and so holy and so totally other than us, we have received the fullness of his glory in Jesus Christ. It's not just one person once a year like the high priest that can go in and experience and see and be a part of the glory of God. It's not just for one person. It's for everybody. It's not just Moses being able to see the glory of God just for a second, but because God became flesh, because Jesus Christ was born 2,000 years ago, we have received the fullness of the glory of God. It is available to us. We can see God's face through Jesus Christ. We can experience the full glory of God through the person of Jesus Christ. But not only do we celebrate Christmas because God became flesh, and not only do we celebrate because we have seen the glory of God, but we celebrate Christmas because God has come to live where we are. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We celebrate Christmas because God has come to live where we are. In this passage of scripture, John tells us that God came to dwell among us. That word there means that God has come to tabernacle or to pitch his tent among his people. You see, because of our sin and, and the fact that we had sinned and rebelled against God, it was impossible for us to go to God. It was impossible for us to get to God. Our sin had created a chasm between us and God. And so God, 2,000 years ago, he came to us. He came and tabernacled among us. He came and pitched his tent among us. He came to us because we could not go to him. Now, I want to ask you today, what gift could there be that is greater than the gift of God coming into... Just think about this Christmas season uh, maybe you have a favorite uh, actor uh, that, that acts in movies. Imagine him calling you up and saying, uh, I'm going to come visit you. I'm going to come to your house over the holidays. Maybe you have a favorite singer, a favorite musician. Can you imagine 
uh, that person calling you up on the phone and saying, oh, by the way, I'm going to come and stop by and eat a meal with you. I'm going to sit down and watch television with you in your living room uh, during this Christmas season. Maybe you have a favorite sports star in football or basketball or some other sport. Could you imagine having the opportunity for this person that you uh, admire so much that you watch on television that you could never dream that you could be able to spend time with them. Imagine them calling you up and saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come to live where you live. I want to live with you. I mean, that, that that's something that would be so far-fetched. I mean, it could never happen. But the thought of it would be an awesome thought if, if there are people out there that we admire and if there are people out there that, that we think a lot of and that we would like to, to spend time with, the thought that they would come and live where we live. Well, let me tell you, your favorite actor is probably not going to come to live where you live. And your favorite musician is probably not going to come to visit you. And your favorite sports star is probably never going to call and say, I want to spend the day with you. I want to live with you. I want to come and visit you. But the good news is this. God, the creator of the world, the one that loves you more than anyone else in the world, the one that died for you on the cross, the one that paid the ultimate price for your sin, God himself, holy, awesome, King of kings and Lord of lords, God has come and he's pitched his tent because he wants to dwell where you dwell. He wants to live where you live. He wants to walk through this life with you. He wants to be there for you. He wants to be there when you're lonely. He wants to be there when you're sad. He wants to be there when everyone else has rejected you. He wants to be there when you don't have answers to your problems. He wants to be there to carry you and comfort you and heal you. That's the reason we celebrate this Christmas season. We celebrate because God has come to live where we live. He came over 2,000 years ago to dwell among men. He came and pitched his tent where we live. And here's the amazing thing. God came to dwell where we dwell. He came because he wanted a relationship with us. He wanted to be involved in our lives and yet people throughout the world have rejected him. God has come to them. Jesus has come and pitched his tent among us. And rather than receiving Jesus and rather than saying, thank you, God, for coming to be with me, people all over the world have rejected Jesus Christ. Families all over the world have turned away from Jesus Christ. They've said, we would rather have the things of this world and the people of this world and the things that are going to pass away in this world. We would rather have those things. We would rather spend time with those things. We would have, would rather have relationship with ungodly things. We don't have any time for you, Jesus. And not only have people and families done that, but our very nation, the nation which you and I live in and love, we have tried to kick Jesus Christ out. You see, God came because he wanted to dwell among us. He wanted to live where we live and be involved in our lives. And after the very God of this universe came and dwelt among men, we have tried as a nation to kick God out, to kick him out 
of our educational institutions to kick him out of the political arena, to kick him out in every aspect of society, saying to him, we know that you came, but we don't want you. We want you gone. We want you out. In fact, the very world in which we live in is trying to live without Jesus Christ. The very world that we live in, the majority of the world is trying to live without Jesus Christ. And the saddest reality of that is we don't have to. The saddest reality is that God has come to dwell with us. God has come to pitch his tent with us. God has come to be involved in our lives. And yet the Bible tells us that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. And my friends, I pray today, I pray that as you celebrate this Christmas season, that you will realize what the true meaning of this season is and that you'll realize why we are really celebrating Christmas. It's not because of Santa Claus. It's not because of some material gift that you might receive. The true meaning of Christmas, the true reason that we celebrate this season and these days is because God himself has become flesh. It's because we have seen the glory of God in the person and face of Jesus Christ. It's because God has come to live where we are. And my friends, I pray that he's living with you today. I pray that you have invited him in and you've said, Lord, thank you for coming. You're welcome here. You're welcome in my life. You're welcome in my family. You're welcome in my home. You're welcome in my business. You're welcome in my relationships. You're welcome in my social life. You're welcome in my finances. I pray that as God has come in the person of Jesus Christ and as he has revealed the glory of God and as he has come wanting and seeking to dwell and be a part of your life, I pray that you're not rejecting him today, but I pray that you're freely and openly receiving him into your life and walking in fellowship with him every single day. But not only those things, we also celebrate this Christmas season because through the gift of Jesus, we have received grace and truth. Uh, have you ever uh, gotten a gift and when you opened it, you were basically said, what is it? You know, I've had a few of those gifts. Uh, it's easy sometimes when it's a shirt or a belt or a pair of pants or a book, but I've had a few gifts that were kind of unusual. And you, and even after you open the present, even after you remove the wrapping and you open the box and you look at it, uh, maybe you ask the person, what is it? What, what is it that you've given me? What, what does it do? Well, I want you to know today. I, I want you to know what it is that you've been given in the fact that God has become flesh. I want you to know what it is that you've been given in the fact that we have received the glory of God. I want you to know what it is that you have received when God came to dwell where we dwell. And what it is that we've received is grace and truth. Now, it's more than that. It would take probably many words and many definitions to explain everything that we received through God becoming flesh or through the gift of Jesus Christ. And yet John, the person that wrote this book, when he had to boil down what this gift was, what it is that we had received 
when we receive the word that become flesh, he said, this is what it is. We have received grace and truth. And so we celebrate this Christmas season because we realize what it is that we have received in the gift of Jesus Christ. And what it is that we have received is grace and truth. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Go down to verse 17. He says it again in this short passage of Scripture. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And I'll have to agree with John here. Although there's many ways that he could have described this precious gift that we've been given when God became flesh, when Jesus came into this world, he narrows it down to just two words, to just two concepts And I believe that in many ways, these two ideas, these two words embody all that we have received in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, he says we've received grace and we've received truth. Let's look at truth. Jesus does not just know the truth. Jesus does not just speak the truth. Jesus does not just come to give us the truth. But the Bible says that Jesus is the truth. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And why is that important? Why why is that such a special gift that we have received grace and truth? What is so important about this truth? Well, the Bible says that Satan is the very opposite of Jesus Christ. Jesus is truth, but Satan is a liar. The Bible says that Satan is a liar and that he is the father of lies. He is incapable of speaking the truth. Everything that Satan says and everything that Satan does and everything that Satan is trying to convince us in temptation to give into is a lie. And the Bible says in John 10, 10, that it is the purpose, it is the plan of Satan to kill, steal, and destroy our lives. And the main way that he kills and steals and destroys in a person's life is through telling us lies that he convinces us to believe. And so imagine how precious the gift is of the truth. Jesus Christ has come and we have received the truth The Bible says that the word of God is the truth. In John 17, 17, the Bible says, sanctify them in the truth. Why? Because we are surrounded by lies and our enemy who is seeking to kill, steal, and destroy us is speaking lies into our ear all day long, every day. And in the midst of those lies that are seeking to destroy us, we have received Jesus Christ who is the truth and his word is the truth. And we need to be sanctified in the word of God and through the word of God. And Jesus is the word of God that has become flesh. You see, we haven't just received the truth of God's word in written form, the Bible. That's precious. But we've received the living word of God, Jesus Christ. He has come and perfectly lived out the word of God. Every question and problem that we face in this life is answered in the truth of God's word and in the truth of the person of Jesus Christ. And so you see today, celebrate because we have received this truth. 
Celebrate because God has made this truth available to you. You say, Brian, what, what good is it to me? What, why is it important to me? Because every problem that you have, the truth has the answer to that problem. Every question that you have in this life, every decision that you have to make, every difficulty that you face, every problem that arises, there's nothing that's ever going to happen to you. There's nothing that you're ever going to have to know or do that cannot be answered in the person and in the word of the truth of God. And so he's given us truth. But not only has God given us truth, but he's also given us grace. And grace is the unmerited favor of God. Grace is what we do not deserve. You see, as sinners, what we deserve is justice. As sinners, what we deserve is punishment. The Bible says that the wages, the punishment of sin is death. And every single one of us have sinned against God. And every single one of us deserve God's justice and God's punishment and God's wrath. Every single one of us deserve to die and go to hell. And yet when Jesus Christ was born some 2,000 years ago, when God became flesh, we received not only truth, but we received grace. The Bible says, in John 5:46 for if you believed Moses you would believe me for he wrote about me and i say that because in this passage of scripture he compares uh the law that was given through Moses with the grace and truth that came through Jesus Christ in verse 17 it says for the law was given through Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ but the law and grace are not incompatible you see, he says there in John 5, 46, if you had believed Moses, if you had believed the word of Moses, if you had believed the law of Moses, you would believe me for he was writing about me, Jesus said. The law was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. And so the law, while it did not have grace, it was pointing to grace. And while the law could help you understand truth, Jesus came and lived the truth where we had failed to live the truth. And so we see that until Jesus came, the only thing available to sinners was justice or a temporary relief from the consequences of sin. And we see that through several examples in the Old Testament. Uh, when people sinned in the Old Testament, they would bring animals to the priest and they would sacrifice those animals and God's wrath would be appeased for a short period of time. But then the people would go back and they would sin again and they would have to bring another animal and offer another sacrifice because the animal sacrifices were not sufficient to cover sin and to cleanse from sin forever. And so people were continually having to offer the sacrifices of the animals for their sin continuously. So it was an imperfect model that pointed to Jesus Christ, who was going to come as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so you see, when Jesus was born some 2,000 years ago, what we received when we received Jesus Christ, what we received when God became flesh was not only truth, but it was grace. God's grace 
the fullness of his grace in the person of Jesus Christ. No longer would we have to offer animal sacrifices that were not sufficient to forgive and to cleanse us from sin, but the Lamb of God had come into the world, the perfect Lamb of God that would go to the cross and sacrifice his life and shed his blood once and for all so that we could be forgiven forever, so that we could be cleansed forever through Jesus Christ. But we see it also through uh, things like God giving his uh, children manna in the Old Testament. They had sinned against God. They had rebelled against God. But God had mercy on them. He, he gave them grace. Every morning they would wake up and those hundreds of thousands or millions of people that were wandering in the wilderness because of their sin and disobedience, God was feeding them. He was looking after them. And the main way that he provided for their food was through the giving of this special bread called manna. And every day when they woke up, it would be on the ground like dew. And all they had to do was go and to pick it up. But you see, the manna did not satisfy except but for a few hours. And then the next day they had to go and they had to pick up more manna and eat more manna. And the next day God had to give more manna and they had to pick up more manna and eat more manna because even though that manna was a type of grace of God on his people, it was not a grace, it was not a bread that satisfied forever. But when Jesus Christ came into the world, the Bible says that he's the bread of life. The Bible says that he who eats of Jesus Christ will never hunger again. The Bible says that we cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We have been given in the person of Jesus Christ, in the gift of Jesus Christ. When God became flesh, we were given a bread that if we will eat it, we will never hunger again. And then he also gave his people water. They were out wandering in a desert, in the wilderness in the Old Testament. And God was continually giving his people water. And he did that through a miracle. And yet that water was a water that only satisfied temporarily. But after Jesus came, we see that the Bible says Jesus is an everlasting spring. He's the living water. And he told the woman at the well, if you will drink of me, you will never thirst again. Imagine, that's the reason we're celebrating this Christmas season. We're not just celebrating because uh, of the commercialism. We're not just celebrating because of the material gifts. We're celebrating primarily because God has become flesh. We're celebrating because we've seen the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. We're celebrating because God has come to live and dwell where we are. We're celebrating because through the gift of Jesus Christ, we have received grace and truth, and we can walk in that grace and in that truth. Jesus offers grace that brings eternal forgiveness. He offers grace that brings eternal sanctification and satisfaction. Only in the person of Jesus Christ can we receive the truth and the grace that we so desperately need. But thank God, because he became flesh, we can receive it. And then we're also celebrating because God has made his gift known and available to all people. And we see in John chapter 1, verse 15, it says, John bore witness of him, that is Jesus, and he cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, 
for he was before me. We celebrate Christmas because God has made his gift known and available to all people. John the Baptist, he was a person that was born before Christ, and he was born to be a forerunner. He was born to be a witness of Jesus Christ. He was to go and to proclaim that Jesus had been born, that the Messiah had come into the world. He was to point people to Jesus Christ and what they had received when God became flesh and what they had received when Jesus came into the world. And God sent him, God sent John the Baptist because he wanted mankind to know about this precious gift that had been given. He wanted people to realize that this precious gift was available to them. God has given us throughout history many things that have helped us to know about this gift. In the Old Testament, God gave prophets. He gave visions. He gave dreams. He gave divine angels. He gave the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. He's given us the Word of God. He's given us churches, Christian churches around the world. He's given us preachers of the gospel. He's given us people that are gifted in evangelism to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Why has he given us all these things? Why has he given us all these things like John the Baptist? Because he wants the world to know that a gift has been given. He wants the world to know that 2,000 years ago, he became flesh. He wants the world to know that the greatest gift that's ever been given in the history of the world is when Jesus Christ was born of a virgin in Bethlehem's manger. He wants the world to know that they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith. God has caused even the very heavens and this very creation to declare Jesus and the gift that he gave in Jesus Christ. Even the heavens, he says, declares the glory of God. We look at the stars, we look at the planets, we look at the creation around us, and they scream out to us that there is a God, that there is a creator, that there is one greater than ourselves, that there is one that we need to have a relationship with. And I tell you, as you go into the Christmas season, we should be celebrating because God has made this precious, special gift known and available to us. And we see that in John 3, 16, one of the most familiar verses in the Bible. What does that verse say? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, God didn't just give this gift to a certain select group in the society. He didn't just give uh, this gift of Jesus Christ to some people, to rich people, to educated people. No, he didn't just give this gift for religious people or good people. He gave this gift of Jesus Christ to the world. Why? Because he loves the world. This gift that has been given is for you. You say, Brian, how could it be for me? I've sinned against God. I've rebelled against God. I've not even been seeking God. I know that. But that's what's so special about this gift. You haven't received this gift because you deserve it. You haven't received this gift because you merit it. You haven't received this gift because you've worked for it. You've received this gift because that's exactly what it is. It's a gift. Uh, it's not something that you've worked for or that you've earned. God gave this gift, and it's precious, and it's special, and he wants you to know about this gift. And he wants you to receive this gift and to know 
that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through faith. And in fact, that's the last thing I want to mention today. We celebrate this Christmas season finally because God's gift can be received by anybody. The scripture says in verse 16 of John chapter 1, and of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. We have all received. That's the key word there. God has not only given us this gift, but he wants us to receive this gift. God has made himself available. God has come to be where we are because we were incapable of going where he is. God has been born of a virgin. He has become flesh. He has come to dwell among us, and he wants us to receive him. The glory of God, the full glory of God can be seen in the person and face of Jesus Christ. And the reason that he has revealed the glory of God is because he wants you to receive him. He has given this gift of truth and grace because he knows that Satan is there and that he's a liar and that he has tempted you and that you have yielded to his temptation and that because you've yielded to his temptation, you have sinned and your relationship with God has been broken and your eyes have been blinded and your hands have been bound and that you don't have any power to come to God. And he loves you so much that he gave you this great gift so that you could see truth and so that you could have grace not just the justice of God, not just the punishment of God. He's given, he's made his grace available to you. You can be saved today. You can be forgiven of your sins today. You can be born again into the family of God today. You can enter into the very presence of God and be his child today because of the grace that has been given to us some 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem's manger. And the great thing is we can celebrate today because that gift can be received by anybody, anybody, anybody today. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how many sins you've committed. It doesn't matter how far you've drifted away. It doesn't matter how much doubt that you've had. It doesn't matter how much garbage is in your life. If you will turn to Jesus Christ and put your faith in him and in him alone today, you can receive this gift, the gift of Jesus Christ. And it is a gift. You know, this holiday season, I talked about we're going to be giving and receiving gifts. And probably at some point during this Christmas season, somebody is going to offer you a gift that they have purchased, that they've bought. And they're going to bring it to you. And they're going to attempt to give it to you. And all you're going to have to do is reach out and receive it. You haven't worked for it. You haven't earned it. You don't deserve it. The other person has done what it takes to buy and purchase that gift, and they're offering it to you freely. And what you're going to have to do is receive it and appropriate it into your life. It's the very same thing with the greatest gift that's ever been given, Jesus Christ. You have not done anything to deserve it. Over 2,000 years ago, God gave the greatest gift that's ever been given in the history of the world, and that's Jesus Christ. And he offers that gift to you as a free gift. And what we have to do is receive it. The Bible says 
in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's one of the amazing things about this gift. That's one of the reasons we celebrate this Christmas season, not only because of the amazing gift of eternal life, of salvation that it's been given to us and made available to us through Bethlehem's manger, but we celebrate because every person on the face of this earth can receive that gift through faith and repentance. And my prayer for you this Christmas season is not material possessions, is not more money, is not a job promotion or more education or a bigger house. My friend, my prayer for you this Christmas season is that you would know about this greatest gift that's ever been given, and that's Jesus, and that you would see him and recognize him and that you would say he has come to dwell with me and that you would receive him into your life, into your heart, into your family, and that he would change your life. Would you receive him today? My friends, you can do that through faith and repentance. Just put your faith in him and in him alone. Confess your sin and ask for forgiveness and receive the cleansing that only he can bring through his shed blood. And my friends, I promise you today that if you'll do that, not only will this Christmas season be the best Christmas season that you've ever had, but you will begin to be able to live an abundant life here on this earth because you've received that great gift of Jesus Christ. And not only will you be able to have an abundant life on this earth, but you'll be able to have an eternal life in heaven. So receive him today, my friend. He's been given. He wants you to receive him. He's come to dwell with you. Invite him in. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Save to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall. Today's message was entitled Christmas, a celebration of God becoming flesh. And if you'd like to have the entire sermon to listen to again or to pass on to a friend, simply visit our website, uttermostevangelism.org, and click on Sermons. That's uttermostevangelism.org. While you're there, learn more about the gift of Jesus at Christmas with Brian's free booklet entitled Salvation. Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift. In it, Brian examines the five aspects of salvation, why all people need to be saved, how God has made our salvation possible, why anyone can be saved, what salvation really is, and how we receive God's gift of salvation. You can download this easy-to-read book on our website, uttermostevangelism.org, or if you would like for us to send you a printed copy, just contact us and ask. Just click on Contact on our website, or send us a note by writing Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, P-O-N-T-O-T-O-C, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Or you can even call us at 662-372-1912. That's 662-372-1912. 
Brian Tyndall is the founder and president of Uttermost Evangelism, a full-time missionary evangelist. He travels all over the world preaching open-air crusades, church revivals, and evangelistic events in prisons and schools, as well as teaching pastors and church leaders how to more effectively communicate the gospel and evangelize the lost. Uttermost Evangelism exists to make Jesus known and glorified among the nations by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people. And it's all made possible by people just like you. Your support helps further kingdom growth. If you'd like to be a part of the work of Save to the Uttermost and Uttermost Evangelism, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website, uttermostevangelism.org, or you can write a check to Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Thanks for your prayers and financial support. Well, that's all for today. Join us again next time. And remember, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through him. Merry Christmas and God bless. Save to the Uttermost is provided by Uttermost Evangelism, Pontotoc, Mississippi.